Um, we move into that. Just wanted to ask a question. How many of you have ever asked God for protection for something? So I see everybody's hand up. So we're, we're familiar with this prayer, right? Um, it's a wonderful gift to have the God of the universe that we can pray to for protection, isn't it? It's just a, a wonderful thing. We pray, it's probably one of the most frequent prayers we pray, right? We pray for the safety and well-being of our children, of our family, of our friends. Uh, we, we pray uh, when people are traveling that they be safe, uh, when people are undergoing surgery and different things are happening with them. We pray for God's protection over them. Um, we, we pray so many things because it's, it's in those situations that we realize that we just don't have the ability to do what only God can do, right? And we also pray, I would hope, um, that God would safeguard us against the wiles and schemes of the evil one. We sometimes lose sight of the fact that there is uh, evil presence in this world that is actually working against uh, God and God's people. And uh, so we're going to be looking at that today. Uh, but first, just to review uh, where we're at, I had this diagram I put up a couple times. Let's just put it up for one more time as it breaks the prayer up into what, what, what I would say is a vertical and horizontal. The first three particular petitions are God in heaven, presence, a praise, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. The focus is on God. It's on God's glory, on God's purpose, on his will. And that's sort of the vertical relationship. And without that vertical relationship, the next one, the horizontal, is one that has no power. But when you have that vertical and then you, you go in, there is provision. He is our sustainer. And I love the fact that it brings the Trinity into this because we know uh, the scripture tells us that our father is our provider. So we have our father and then the pardon for sins. This is the grace aspect. This is the redeeming aspect. This is the Christ aspect of the Trinity in the prayer. And then we're coming today to the protection part. Uh, this is where the Holy Spirit is at work. This is what the Holy Spirit does, is the Holy Spirit's in us and is working in us. And so we have this beautiful way in which this prayer works. Um, and, uh, and so we're very thankful that Jesus teaches us how to pray this way. And today we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. I don't think I need to put it up there. I think you all know it by heart now. You should anyway. Um, and then uh, we'll look at the uh, sixth petition and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Wonderful words. And so it starts out, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us. Now, you, know, you think about this. When Jesus was teaching in, in his day, he was well aware of the kind of world which his disciples then and his saints and disciples now would live in. He knew that they and we would have to deal with terrifying things, Right? life-threatening things. We live in a fallen world where the 
forces of nature sometimes run amok like the rains that came down this morning and are still coming. We deal with the earthquakes and hurricane seasons and the forest fires, not to mention diseases. This is definitely not a safe world, right? Another thing that contributes to the dangers we face are people. People who are sinners, people who are living, human beings who do foolish things, wicked things to one another. And one of the causes of evil things that human beings do to one another stems from the fact that we live in a cursed, broken, and in some ways haunted world. A place where our struggle is not just with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers powers led by an evil demonic being whose name is Satan. And Satan's constant goal is to thwart God's purposes by tempting us to do things that not only hurt us, but lead us to work against God's purposes. And I think this is important in our culture. As you guys know, many of you know, I travel back and forth to Africa a lot. We have this work going on in Eswatini and Actually, I realized that the last time I went over was my 40th time over in Africa. But um, one of the things that's very interesting about the cultures is that in the African culture where I'm at, Satan is not only known, but Satan is responsible for everything. I mean, you don't, you don't go anywhere without people praying and talking about, you know, Satan, it's Satan. And then you come to the United States and it's complete opposite. You don't really hear about Satan at all. We sort of, uh, sort of just basically put him in the background. Uh, we're, we're able to do things, and we have resources. And, 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 and so there's two things there. One is, one side is on one extreme. Not everything's Satan, all right? But on the other hand, there is Satan. There is Satan. The Bible does tell us that there is one who is out there who is against and working against God's people. So it's sort of where we're looking at. And Jesus prays about this in the Lord's Prayer. So we got to say that there's something really true about this, right? Because Satan himself encountered Jesus, right? There was this whole thing that took place in Matthew 4. So we have this going on, and we have Satan at work, and we know we're in a fallen world, and Jesus begins teaching us, this phrase, you start with our Father, our Father, because that's who we're praying to, lead us not, lead us. And I think we would miss if we didn't look at what this word lead us means, because it's a little bit different in the Greek, uh, as we're going to see for a couple things today, than we would necessarily look it to be. We would think lead us means to direct, direct people, lead them, direct them. But the Greek word here means to bring, to carry. So it implies something very personal. There's a personal involvement and assistance. It's not the kind of leading, like we see those uh, pictures of the Civil War where the generals are up on the mountain and you know, the rest of the people are out there doing it. But there's something about this where it's this, I am with the people in the battle. It's the shepherd walking alongside the flock as they make their way through a dark valley filled with predators and other dangers. And so when you look at this, 
Look what he's praying. He's not praying, keep us from temptation and evil, because we know that's impossible, right? We live in a fallen world. We're going to encounter trouble and hardship. That's why the prayer is, lead us, carry us, bring us through. Show us the way you walk beside us. Deliver us from evil that we face every day. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about one of my favorite movies, Gladiator. Anybody seen Gladiator? And you know the opening scene, right? There's this great battle scene. And somewhere along the line, the General Maximus appears. And he is fighting, and he is destroying people. And he's in the middle of the battle with his soldiers. And they love him because he is in the battle with him. General Maximus. What an amazing figure. But that's the idea that you get here with this word lead us. This is, this is the this, uh, sense of this is the one who's leading us. And it's an inter- just that illustration of us facing struggles with temptation and evil. But he leads with us. He's our very present help in times of trouble, as the psalmist says. He never leaves us or forsakes us, and at times he actually carries us. He empowers us to face danger when we don't have the strength to do so. How many of you, like me, can look back on a time of danger, a time of crisis, and realize There was no way I got through that on my own. Jesus carried me through. Jesus, through the prayers of his people, carried me through. And that's the kind of leader that Jesus is. He keeps his promise to be with us always. That's who Jesus is. And so as we pray... We're sort of claiming that promise as we pray. Lead us, be with us, carry us. And we're going to be moving into even the word deliver us. But but where lead us? Where are you leading us? Lead us not into temptation. Not into temptation. It's a a very tricky way of saying something, right? It's especially in in our culture uh, because of the way we think about temptation. We never see temptation as having a double meaning or two meanings. We just see it as sort of enticing someone to evil. So if you're looking at that and you're saying, oh my gosh, I mean, is Jesus saying that God leads us into temptation, that God entices us to evil? The answer is no, okay? Let's read James 1, 13 to 15 so we can be very clear on that. James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. See, the word here that we often translate as temptation in the Greek 
has different meanings when it's in a different context. It can mean test or trial, or it can mean enticement or temptation. And the proper translation depends on the context in which this is used. So, for example, in James 1, verse 2, the same word is used for trials. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's the same word that in verse 13 is interpreted temptation. So you see that this is really moving us so that there is nothing here saying that God tempts us, but we're looking at the context. And remember, when we think about English words, we have many English words that you use in different contexts, right? So Angelo marries Barbara. Angelo is marrying the Davises. Same word, different context, different meaning. A hunter bagged a deer. You have bags under your eyes. A different context. Do you see that? So that's, that's where that's going here. And, and uh, so what we see now is this word has this way of test and trial or temptation and enticement to sin. So just put that, uh, that picture up of that, uh, just so we get a clearer picture of this. Um, if you could put that up. So testing seeks to reveal the person's moral qualities or character and move them into conformity with the nature of Christ. Seeks to undeceive at the person, I can't make it that, aims at the person's good making him more aware of his need for God and of God's glorious ability to supply all of his needs according to God's riches in Christ Jesus. This is the work of God. So God does test. We know that, right? If you read the scripture, we know that God tests. He tests us, and it's for our good. Uh, we just read Peter, which says that these trials come so that our faith, which is a pure, pure greater worth than gold, is refined by the fire of those trials that come into our life. But then there's temptation. Deceives and persuades to evil so that it may corrupt and ruin, seeks to deceive, aims at leading the person consciously or unconsciously into increasing independence and separation from God and his revealed will, the result of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that's sort of the meaning we have a lot of times when we think about temptation, right? This is what the devil does. This is what happens in our hearts. And the world and the flesh and the devil are part of that. So uh, as we look at that, we need to see that this prayer is, is speaking first about this idea that we have trials in life. There are many trials in life. Is that not true? Hard circumstances, things that happen to us. Um, and in those trials, as we pray this prayer, we're asking the Lord to protect us not necessarily from the trial, but our reaction to the trial, how we respond to the trial. Am I going to respond by accepting God's will and in the midst of doing that, glorifying God in the way that I interact? Or am I going to be someone who responds in a self-centered way, so concerned about myself that I'm going to become someone who moves away from God, distant from God, and so, therefore, not being that one who would reflect God's glory, but I would reflect 
my own will and my own purposes. And, the, and you guys know how that is, right? I mean, I, I've struggled with that so many times in different things. And I'm thankful that I can go to the Lord in prayer and pray to him. Lord, in the midst of this unbelievably hard time, in the midst of this grief, in, in the midst of, of, of seeing someone you love struggling and hurt, in the midst of watching all kinds of things happen to people where they're not, there's no dignity to their lives and where there's abuse and, and more other things. Lord, help me to live in a way that furthers your purpose and your kingdom, that reflects your character in the midst of this, that reflects my trust in you, in your sovereignty, and in your plan. So there's that test piece. But then we also have to understand what temptation is in the other aspect and why we would wish to avoid it. You know, temptation is any draw, desire, or enticement to sin. And sin is the denial of God's glory and rejection of his authority. It's a futile attempt to overthrow the king of kings. The danger of temptation is sin. But here's the thing. Being tempted is not evil. Got that? Being tempted is not evil. Yeah, we're going to be looking at that. However, there is three general sources of temptation, the self, the world, and Satan. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. No, put that back up now. Thank you. You preempted me, but that's okay. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their sin and their own evil desire enticed. You see, there's this, this basically here we're, here's where we're at. And here's an event, or here's the flesh, our own desire, or here is Satan in moving in, moves to the mind, which is that, that sense of, okay, here comes temptation, and here's the world, and here's God's word. And so what is going to influence my moving forward, my decision-making? Is it going to be God's word, or is it going to be the world, the flesh, and the devil? And the moment I make that decision, I now move with my will. And the moment I move with my will, then I'm doing one of two things. I'm either doing what God's will is, or I am sinning against God's will. That's, that's really what, what's going on there. And whatever action that takes is either an action that glorifies God or an action that is sinful against God, and the wages of that sin are death. So hopefully that's clear. Get that idea. So God promises to deal with this form of temptation. Listen to Psalms 37, 23, and 24. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble... They will not fall, for the Lord holds them by his hand. And I think this is um, one of these wonderful ways as you begin thinking about prayer. And a number of people have heard me say this before in different groups. I'm not sure if I've ever said it from the pulpit. I might have. You know, the mind's going. But um, there's ways that we pray, right? There are times when, and a lot of us, for most of our praying, is usually reactive prayer. 
We usually pray after a situation happens. We usually pray after a crisis starts. We usually pray after we see sin in our life. But the way Jesus is praying here is what I call proactive prayer. It's, it's praying beforehand. Like, for example, when you wake up in the morning and you look at your day and you can already know that there's circumstances coming up and people that you're going to be with, that there's going to be real temptation to sin or to distrust God, you can be praying proactively out of this prayer saying, Lord, I know at 9.15 I'm going to be meeting with so-and-so. Help me, Lord, because I know the attitude of my heart right now. I ask forgiveness for that right now, and then, Lord, guide me in the way that I'm going to move into that relationship. May I move into that relationship with the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, leading me. I am praying proactively to a God who loves that prayer and is more than willing to go before me and answer that prayer. Do you see that? So we want to pray more and more proactively. Jesus here, when he's praying, it's a very proactive prayer. And so we need to learn to pray that way. We need to pray before knowing that there's going to be circumstances. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're going to school and you have a test and you know the temptation is going to be to what? Cheat! Yeah, thank you. One, one person said it. Cheat! But now beforehand, what do I do? I say, Lord, I know the temptation. Help me, Lord, not to even think about it, but help me, Lord, to be someone who is able to do what I'm able to do and be satisfied with that. And begin to see the Lord begin to work in those ways in many of the things in our lives, the things that we don't think about praying about ahead of time. Not after it, oh, Lord, forgive me, I got caught cheating. Well, that's a little late. And I don't think that's a really good prayer either because you got caught. So now you're, I would call that consequence prayer. Maybe it would lead to repentance and godly sorrow, but maybe not. But anyway, we're not going to get into that. But there, there's, there's the things that we're talking about here. And so Jesus has us praying in this way, but he doesn't end there. He does something else. He adds to the prayer. Jesus is not teaching us to keep, keep us from evil, but deliver us from evil. It's not a prayer for immunity from trouble or danger or spiritual attack. The Lord never promises that, you know, if we pray enough, bad things won't happen to us. Has anybody ever thought that? I think sometimes we do, and that's why we get angry at God. That's never been a promise of God. Because we have a world where so much is happening, right? So many things. We, we are facing trouble and hardship all the time. But there's even more. See, because deliverance isn't an exception, this exemption from trials. Sometimes that's the way I, I think. It's if, I, if I'm delivered, then I'm exempt from these trials. No, it's an intervention in the midst of the trial. There is a trial, and now there's an intervention with God in the battle with us, with Jesus in the battle with us, and intervening with us in it. So we need to see, he says, deliver us from evil, not deliver us from harm. 
So it isn't so much about physical as it is about spiritual safety. So he's moving further here. That first part has a lot to do with the protection about those things, but now he's going deeper because there needs to be spiritual safety. And this word evil refers to the dark forces in the world and the sin in our souls that threaten to tear us away from God and to thwart his good purposes. That's why some versions translate this, deliver us from the evil one. The Bible describes the evil one, Satan, as a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy, as one who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So this isn't a prayer that bad things won't happen. It's a prayer that when bad things happen, Satan will never get to us. That in those hard times, we won't turn away from God because one of Satan's great strategies is to come in and say, how can you trust God? God doesn't love you. Do you see what's happening to you? And you're a part of the reason. So let me accuse you about the things that you're doing. And so Satan comes in and his angels, and this is the way he works. And the whole goal is to move us away from trusting God, to doubting God. The moment we do that, we do not have faith. We are living outside of faith. Do you see that? That's what he seeks to destroy in us. Jesus knew this. In John 17, 15, he prayed, My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but you protect them from the evil one. Jesus knew that his disciples both then and now would suffer on account of him. They'd be harassed, thrown in jail, put to death. He knew that the forces of evil would come against them in their silence, in their witness. And the goal is always to shipwreck our faith. That's Satan's goal, to shipwreck our faith, to move us away from trusting God. So he prayed in those difficult moments that faith would not fail. So how do you pray? I, mean, I think about this a lot because you guys all hear me pray. And probably you've heard me pray so many times, right? Lord, protect and deliver us from evil, fear, and the wiles and schemes of the evil one. How many have heard me pray that prayer? Just about everybody here. Whether I've been with you personally. And, and this is something that I believe God had moved into my heart and continues to move in my heart because this is the way I need to pray for my children. This is the way I need to pray for my family. This is the way I need to pray for my neighbors. This is the way I need to pray for people that I don't even know, but I know they're being attacked and persecuted. These are the ways I need to pray because ultimately my child can be a great success. All kinds of money, houses, whatever they have. But if they don't have faith, Lord have mercy. I pray against the wiles and schemes of the evil one because he doesn't care if they have money. He doesn't care if they have things. He doesn't care, to, but he cares about one thing, and that is their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
And so we pray this way. We pray that God would be with our children, that God would be with brothers and sisters in grief when such horrible tragedy strikes as we see every day in the paper. And that grief, that grief turns to anger. That anger can turn to bitterness. And and Satan loves to take that and just move people away from God rather than to God. And we pray against what the evil one is attempting to do. And we pray that the word and the good shepherd will speak comfort to hearts as only the good shepherd can. And we come against the wiles and schemes of the evil one. Do you see that? This is the way we pray. We pray for one another in these ways. And when we do this, we're actually praying that we're turning the tables on Satan, right? Because Satan is moving in such a way and he believes that he, as he's doing these things and these circumstances are coming up, he's going to move people away from God and accepting God's purpose and plan. But when we pray these things and the Spirit who's at work with us and is present with us in the battle begins to reveal the Word of God, he begins to reveal that this is light and momentary compared to the surpassing glory that far outweighs it all, that, that brings to our mind that this, this world is cursed and broken, but when the sons and daughters of God are revealed, the curse is being reversed, and we are seeing something amazing happen in, our, in, in, in life and in culture. See, this, the Spirit begins to say, no, He is your stronghold. He is your strength. He is with you. His plan in the midst of all this, as much as you don't understand it, what you can understand is His character. And He went to the cross, and He endured the shame of the cross for the joy set before him that we might know him, that there is an eternal salvation, that there is forgiveness for sin, that there is a spirit that is present in you right now that is a sign and seal and deliverance, that there is an inheritance for you that's kept in heaven. Hallelujah. And the spirit continues to remind you of these things in the depths of your trouble and in your grief and begins to transcend those things by bringing the deeper truth that can never be taken. It's an eternal truth. This is how God works. Certainly the Bible's full of examples, right? We could look at Joseph, the story of Joseph. So many things intended at his eye for evil. And yet at the very end, we saw how God turned the tables on Satan. And he's restored to his brothers and his father. And he saved a large portion of the world by being able to save the grains. It's powerful. And then when we think about Jesus praying for Peter, right? Simon, I'm praying for you. I'm praying because the evil one is seeking to do what? He's seeking to come after you, and he wants to sift you as wheat. And he prayed. And even though Peter denied him, the Spirit was at work in Peter for him to know that he could turn, and there was forgiveness, and there was reconciliation with God. And then Jesus himself did it personally when he stepped into his life at the end when he resurrected. Powerful. 
This is our Jesus delivering us from evil. So brothers and sisters, this is what God is calling us to do. This is how Jesus is teaching us to pray. I love this wonderful picture in Ephesians 6. We all are familiar with it. It's the armor of God, right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the wars, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, of all this, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And um, I remember studying this, and uh, I think it was, I think it might have been Dave Pallison, actually, who was either preaching on it or speaking on it, and he said, ultimately, the armor of God is putting on Christ. That's ultimately what it is. It's putting on Christ. When we pray like this, we are putting on Christ. Because it opens and unleashes the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ himself, to be at work in and through us. And we desperately need him to do what we can't do against evil, against the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he is more than willing, as we ask, to step in and do that. Can you put that picture up, um, that last picture, Dave? Could you put that last picture up? I love this picture. Faith, knowing God will keep you from the wolves. Jesus loves you. Beautiful. Here we are, those sheep. There's that wolf, Satan, wanting to devour. But there's that Aslan on top of it. Amen? There is that Jesus who we pray to, who is more than glad to not only be in the battle, but to overshadow and be a part of that. I just love that picture. So here's what uh, Spurgeon says. You have that quote there. This gospel I preach to you, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him quietly, humbly, simply, immediately. Trust him to make you a holy man, to deliver you from the power of the devil and the power of sin, and he will do it. I will be bound for him that he will keep his word. Jesus is truth itself and never breaks his word. He never boasts that he can... Do what he cannot do. He has gone into heaven, and he is therefore able to save them to the othermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Only trust him. Trust him to overcome the evil you have to fight with. You will conquer it, man, if you only trust Jesus. Woman, there is hope for you if you will trust the wounded, bleeding, dying, risen, living 
Savior, hallelujah. He will battle for you and you shall get the victory. Amen. This prayer is not a, it's, it's a prayer for a heart transplant. That's what it's a prayer for. Our hearts are being changed. And God is at work doing that. And so I want to invite you to two things. The first thing I want to say to you is next Sunday during the adult Sunday school time at 9 o'clock, we're going to be taking each petition of the Lord's Prayer and praying through that together. I encourage you to come, be a part of that at 9 o'clock, where we all together as practical application to what we've been learning will pray the petitions of God together uh, and do that corporately, and I believe in that way, experiencing the blessing of this prayer. The second thing is, and this is for right now, okay? Because this is powerful, what we've just heard. Because I think all of us right now recognize that this is the world I live in. This is my heart. These are the things that are struggles. And, and who here is not struggling in some way? Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe there's grief in your life because of a recent loss. Uh, maybe um, you're, you're in, a, in a sense where you have relationships and it seems like your relationships have people who are adversaries against you and it's hard to know how to step in these situations. And the temptation is to just either avoid it or to be bitter. Um, there's so many things in our lives. There's trials and circumstances right now that each one of us is experiencing. And his practical application today, before I end us in prayer, I want to encourage you. There's no question that the Spirit in this moment has been speaking to you and maybe been thinking about some of the things that are hard in your life right now, some of the things where there is battle, whether there's spiritual battles, whether there's circumstances in your life right now that you can't accept or you're acting out in a way that doesn't reflect God's glory and the character of heaven, this is the time to pray the application of this prayer. Right now, in this moment. So I want to give you a few minutes, and then I'll close us in prayer. But this is, this, God is inviting us. Jesus is teaching us. Let's take advantage of this moment before God. So take a couple minutes now as the Spirit is leading you.
Lord, thank you that you teach us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you, Lord, grant us the ability through the work of the Holy Spirit to be proactive with this prayer in our own lives, proactive with this prayer in the lives of our children, our loved ones, our families, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, and anyone else that we have knowledge of, Lord, that are in the struggle, that are in the battle. We are so thankful, Lord, that you are here with us, that you are ever-present help. We are so thankful that you are in the battle with us and will see us through it. Thank you that that is your promise and we can depend on it and trust it. Holy Spirit, confirm these things to our heart today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.